0: What about God smiting those people to death? Welcome to the What About podcast, where we're going to explore some of the most common and commonly debated questions about life and following Jesus. Not going to claim to have all the answers, but I think we've got a pretty good feel on which questions to ask, and we're going to have a little fun while we're doing it. A lot of curious thoughts, some really difficult questions, some probably unpopular opinions, but I promise you, we're always going to seek the truth on this. So, what about it? So, really, what about God smiting those people? For me, that's a pretty interesting question, one that we're going to talk about today, but I do want to tell you why we're talking about that. I get caught up talking about what I want to talk about, and sometimes I wonder, am I addressing the questions that people are asking? Thankfully, Google makes it pretty easy to figure out what questions people are asking in their Google Trends, And so I went and tried to figure out what are the most common questions that people have about life and what are the most common questions people have about Christianity and about following Jesus. What I started to notice is that people have a lot of questions about, is it wrong to do this? Is it okay to do this? Is it a sin for this? What does God think about this kind of behavior? And what started to really become clear is that people have a lot of questions that deal with God punishing us. And I understand there are a lot of um, reasons maybe why people would have that because we've read the Bible and we've seen stories about how God smites people and brings destruction on people and really uh, uh, wipes people out. And I understand how that leaves us with a lot of questions about who God is and about what God is about and what's important to God. But it seems to me that a lot of these questions that people have, maybe you have some of these questions, They deal with this idea that God wants to punish us. And so a good question for us to ask is, hey, what about that idea that God wants us to be destroyed? Or what about that idea that God wants to punish us forever? And let me ask another question. Why do we assume sometimes the worst about God? There's an old illustration that's pretty common, and maybe you've heard it before, maybe you've not, but if you haven't, it goes like this. I have a son, he's 13 years old. And if I gave my son $20 and said, hey, walk down to the grocery store and get some eggs and milk, and my kid came back with some eggs and milk and some other items, the illustration says, well, I'd be upset because I gave you 20 bucks and eggs and milk don't cost $20. And I expected some change back. You decided to buy some other things. I didn't get my change back. And so I, as the father then am upset. And so we translate that to God and and it's pretty, you know, condemning picture of God, think about how that makes God look. Think about how that makes our Father in Heaven seem to His children. You could push back on that illustration a little bit, and these ideas are not mine originally. I am thankful to my friend Matthew Benfield who pointed this out. But he said we're the ones who get mad only whenever we suffer some kind of loss. So in the example, if I'm the one who gives the money— When my son goes and buys something that I didn't want, I feel a loss, and then I get angry. But let's say that I gave my son money to go get milk and eggs, and when he's at the store, he sees my favorite drink. And it's been a long time since I've had that drink. I like root beer, so let's just say root beer. Now, I didn't tell him to go get eggs and milk and root beer, but if he came back with that, I would be pretty happy that he brought me something back. I wouldn't be angry, even though he technically did buy something with my money that I had not told him to do. I'm happy because I don't really suffer a loss. Instead, I'm better off for it. I'm happy about it. Additionally, I think you could say, well, what about if my son, he gets an allowance? What if he's the one who's picking up the bill and it's not my money at all? He's around the house and he's thinking about what he wants to eat and he sees that we're low on milk and eggs and he says, hey dad, um, I can go down to the store and get some milk and eggs if that's good with you and do we need anything else? And I say, no, 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 milk and eggs are fine. That's all we need. But he gets to the store and he sees a candy bar that he thinks that I may like. He doesn't know for sure, but he wants to do something good for his dad. And so he buys the candy bar and he brings it back to me and now, just say that it turns out I don't really like it. Um, but am I going to be angry about that? Probably not. Why not? I didn't suffer any loss. He didn't spend my money. It was his. And even though I really didn't like what he offered me when he got back from the store, didn't it mean something that he thought of me while he was there? If you've got kids, you probably know, just like I do, that we spend a lot of time with our kids, kind of with them asking for us to do something for them, to buy something for them, to provide this for them. And so why wouldn't I be excited or happy, touched that my child thought of me when he didn't have to do that at all? You see where I'm going here. In the end, I understand that that illustration, like every other illustration on the planet, is flawed in a lot of ways. But I still think the point is good. Why should we assume that God would be angry? Why do we assume the worst about God? And if I can understand that I would be happy that my son brought me back something because he was thinking of me, and that makes me happy and makes me feel joy, why should I assume that I'm a better father than God is? Another illustration, again, not mine. This one came from Matthew Benfield as well. But if I'm at a drive through and I ask for a burger with lettuce, tomato, and onions, which I like, and they give me a burger that's got lettuce, tomato, and onions, and pickles, then I'm not going to be really happy about that. I didn't tell them. To not put pickles, but I didn't ask for pickles and I don't like pickles. But I'm only upset because I've suffered some kind of loss here. It's the only burger that I've got, I paid for it with my money, and it's got something that I did not want. But say they gave me the burger with the tomato, onions, and lettuce that I ordered on it. And let's just say that they put fries in the bag as well. Now, I didn't order the fries, but I love fries. I'm not upset because they added something to my order in this case. Instead, it's the opposite. I'm excited. Who doesn't love free fries? And so again, the illustrations about being upset about this, it only works if I don't like the effort or the additions. If I like the effort that my son goes into to try to do something that makes me happy, or if I like the addition of free fries in my bag with my burger, well, then the illustrations have the exact opposite. Opposite effect. I don't know about you, but I can't imagine a father who would really be upset with his child only because the child did his dead level best to do what would be pleasing to the father. To me, that seems to be dependent on intent and on motive. Did the child want to do something pleasing to his father? If my child does something because he wants to make me happy, then who would be angry at that? And again, why should we assume that we are better fathers than God? Why should we, uh, parents, why should we assume that we are more loving and more forgiving and more merciful than God? So I understand where the question comes from. Does God want to punish me? But I also understand that it could come from a flawed view that assumes the worst about God. I know why we get that. Uh, just last night, uh, some friends of mine from church and I, we were in a room together, and, and we just wanted to read or listen to a large block of Scripture instead of you know, just reading a verse or two here and there. We wanted to put in some time to really listen to a large piece of Scripture. And so, for some reason, we decided on the prophet Amos. And I don't know if you've read anything from the prophet Amos in uh, recent times, but man, it's pretty dark. Uh, There's a lot of talk there. It's right before they, they are removed from their land and deported into an exile for 70 years. And it's just a very, very bleak, bleak time. And there's a lot of talk in Amos about destruction and you're going to get what's coming to you. And God says, I'm not going to relent on this because you have acted in this certain way. I've tried to bring you back and you weren't going to do it. And so you're going to have to deal with the consequences. But what's ultimately apparent through the book of Amos is that God is doing that because his people had mistreated other people. Seven times he talks about their transgressions, about how they oppressed people and stole from people and mistreated people and lied to people and really just went out of their way to be unkind to the people around them. What you see in the book of Amos is that God cares when people are mistreated by other people, and God especially cares when it's his people who were doing the mistreating. Not so much, sure, but, but when they are mistreated, that's one thing. But when they are the ones who are doing the mistreating, then then it really gets out of hand. There's this theme in Scripture of how we will be treated in the way that we treat other people. That's why Jesus can say confidently that we should not be judgmental in Matthew 7 verse 1 because with the judgment that we give, that's how we will be judged in the end. How we treat people is how we're going to be treated And so that's what you see in some of these Old Testament narratives or in these Old Testament prophecies about uh, the destruction that is going to come to the people or how God is going to punish those people. It's not that he wants to do that. That's not the theme you see in Scripture. Instead, that's the exception to the rule. The theme that you see from cover to cover is that God loves all and that God wants all of us to be his child, that God wants that so much that he goes to the cross And bears our guilt on that cross. And so from page one to whatever the last page in your Bible is, the theme is not that God wants to punish you forever. The theme is that God wants to be present with you forever. And if you're asking me, that seems to be really, really good news. So the question that we address, the question that we've got is, does God want to punish me? That seems to be the thought Motive behind many of the questions that we're asking about God. What does God think about this? What does God think about that? Does God want to punish me? Is the core of it. And the answer to that is really, really simple. No. Any answer that comes up with the idea that God wants to punish me or you or any of us forever assumes the worst about God. That's not who God is. On page one in your Bible, God creates a paradise so that he can dwell with people forever. And if you go to the very last page of your Bible, you'll find a new heavens and a new earth where God again comes to dwell with us forever. Not to punish, but to be present